and welcome to the Dice is Screaming podcast. I'm Randall the Dice Man, and today I'll be running solo this week as I do an examination of the RuneQuest starter set. So let's get started, shall we? And alright, I'm back and ready to go. Hey, hope you all had a merry holiday season. As this is the last podcast of the year, normally we might have had a rambling conversation about the year past. But since it's just me, I'll leave it off for next time me and Mike can get together. So, we're just going to tear right into the RuneQuest box set. Or starter set, excuse me. This is a nice little box set. Get ahead of myself here. About a, one of the typical inch deep ones, kind of. A little bit of a reminiscent and nostalgia project, the old box sets, but uh, pulling the cover off there, some nice little cover art, set that aside. We got some dice in there as well, always got to have dice. And this thing goes for about uh, 30 bucks, and I want to let everybody know that that's a big selling point here. I'm not going to really shy away from that. This is... Uh, the uh, RuneQuest starter set, it is uh, different from the uh, RuneQuest role-playing in Glorantha set, um, and a core rulebook. The box set uh, for that comes in a slipcase with uh, the bestiary and a Game Master pack, as well as the uh, core rulebook. But this one breaks it down into four little books here. Not, not little, but they're all a uh, little uh, glossy soft covers is and I say that my only um open it up my only complaint would be is that some of this stuff is made of a little flimsier paper but it's all nice and glossy and full color all the way through so uh, let's just get started here with book one of rules and boy everybody loves rules right and for a lot of people with the role-playing in Glorantha uh, core rulebook some of the rules were well written and presented, but they weren't the clearest examples that you could expect out of this. And so a lot of people look at, uh, they were a little confused, maybe off-put, because, you know, you want you have a core rule book, you want to have as much information for it as, and it's rather densely packed. Uh, this one breaks it down real easily. And uh, first of all, they don't even talk very much about Glorantha in the opening page here. They talk about Glorantha and RuneQuest. And the rules for playing, of course, about dice, and players, game masters, all the stuff you'd expect. But then they start breaking down the character sheets. And I'll put a pin in that for later. And they give uh, an example of play right off the bat. And uh, put the ability uh, result charts right there and resistance table and explain it how to use, how it's to be used in the game. And the resistance table, for some of you old hands at request might say, well, it should be pretty obvious. But... For a lot of people, it's different, you know, understanding the, the active characteristic versus the passive. It breaks it down here and explains it really well. So besides just using the resistance table to, like, determine your chances for breaking down a door or lifting up a heavy stone or anything where there's two opposing stats, uh, whether, like, a door could be a, uh, a size or a stone could also, well, yeah, it would be a size as well. And then you would r look up that stat and compare it to the active characteristic of the person trying to lift it, and it would give you a percentage roll. This breaks it down really well. And it also goes right away into time and movement, and into the skills with an abbreviated, but still very thorough, uh, 
distillation of all the various skills and the uh, stat bonuses that are in RuneQuest. And then uh, goes right away into runes and uh, how to how combat's conducted. And here's another big thing that I heard from a lot of people that strike ranks seem very confusing. And in this uh, box set, they do a good job of breaking it down. There's a little handout that they uh, give called the strike rank marker uh, tracker in this. And it's nice, uh, kind of a little, little flimsy. I was expecting something maybe a little uh, sturdier cardboard since it would be used as much. But uh, I've always been using a 12-sided die for the strike rank because it goes from 1 to 12. But uh, as a placeholder for when I want something to happen or have something to happen as a uh, player to me, um, you know, when I want to take my turn, I can basically, oh, it's strike rank six, that's me, uh, call it right out. They do a good job of breaking it down from everything from drawing a weapon to casting of spells and invoking powers and moving in combat. They do a really good job here. So I think just looking at the rolls of 61 pages, they deal with criticals, um, how to use and cast spirit magic and rune magic and give a not a I don't want to say that they skimp it's a full it's the full deal of the spells but they are distilled um, there's where there's a brevity of language here they take advantage of that whenever there's an advantage to just kind of boil it down to the basics that's what they do but the spells are all you can use the spell descriptions from here in a normal rune quest game which is good and just starting out here as we close cover it 61 pages of the rules it's distilled but it's well broken down and covers every facet of play from using skills casting spells everything you need to do to uh, play in rune quest 61 pages they do it remarkably and they're very well put together along with some gorgeous illustrations <coughs> pardon me now bring us to the second book and uh this is a world of glorantham now for old school or old time gamers of RuneQuest, this is going to be a treat because they uh cover in this not only just the uh, world of glorantham and but they expand out of the main rule book so if you're kind of on the fence about picking this up, if you got to role-playing with Glorantha, and you're thinking, well, you know, I've already got the core rulebook, but I don't want to spend 30 more bucks for something that may I may not need. Well, here's a good selling point. Even if you already aren't looking to get into RuneQuest, you can um, definitely use the uh, smaller uh, rulebook to help explain to new players how to do things in RuneQuest. But this one provides the area of Johnston, uh, kind of expanding the world in Dragon Pass, at least in the region of Sartar of Dragon Pass, up from uh, Clearwine, and uh, it makes this the basis and emphasis. And uh, Johnston is a very important city in the uh, northern Sartar region, right near Dragon Pass. It's literally the um, midpoint between what was, used to be the main trade point of the Lunar Empire and Sartar regions, and they've now recently pushed that out with uh, Battle at Dangerport. And uh, this supplement uh, details not only just the world, the second book with, uh, and also the gods and the relationship, but also gives a handy guide on the city of Johnston and its environs, as well as what has just happened with the timeline, the various tribes, 
like the Cincia, the Cobrea, the Milani, the Telmori, and uh, some of the villages and outliers along the way as well as the uh, Royal Road, and a full breakdown and map of Johnston, which makes it a counterpoint to Clearwine in the uh, core book. And uh, also it uh, gives numerous illustrations along with a very nice map. So you get this for 30 bucks. If this is what you as a game master wanted to buy this for, this would be my recommendation right here. Um, it talks about not only the city government, but the library of like my, um, and also a little Easter egg here. If you're familiar with Griffin Mountain, uh, our little podcast that we covered, Joe Myth, he's in here. Uh, now he's a, a trader of the cities, as well as several other people of import. Uh, some of them you may not remember. Uh, Sorrow Stip, Prince Killer, the Hamakti Saint of the Milani tribe, as well as uh, the Arnaldan. Uh, priestesses inside the city. There's a good overview and the uh, taverns and uh, things that have changed after the lunar occupation and they've been pushed out. And of course, each one of these has a little map on the back, which kind of helps as you go through each one. They do kind of put together. So that's the first two is you get not only the world book kind of separated from the lore or from the rules, excuse me, and the lore put forward. But you also get a nice city setting and an environment around to plan and plot other adventures. Now we come to the third book. Now this is uh, one in the uh, Call of Cthulhu starter set. They had a solo adventure alone against the flames. This follows the same format. This gives you, uh, nominally you're going to be playing Vasana out of uh, the... Uh, cast the characters, but you can play any one of them. I imagine if you played the healer, you'd have a, a lot harder time completing this. But this is more or less uh, for Vasana. You can substitute any other ones you want, or maybe even insert your own characters. But book three is a solo quest, and it talks about uh, how to put the rules together and one of the major events of the Battle of Dangerford, which presets to the campaign setting that they provide in here. And uh, it details a lot about Vasana's life. Like she's preparing to worship at uh, Vinga's altar. Uh, she prepares her uh, buffalo, her bison, Molon for battle. Um, it's a lot of nice little uh, snippets in here. It's a fun playthrough. It's easy to get through. Uh, Kellier Starbrow features in this well as well as uh, the major battle and you play through it and use, learn to use her passions and a lot of her characteristics and uh, to complete the quest. It's a fun play. Uh, I would recommend it even um, just for uh, game masters and others who maybe not be interested in playing as a player character, but just to get some ideas of how to present the world of Glorantha. And uh, even just giving it to a player to uh, get familiar with this, a new person who's kind of on board, give them that and the, the character sheet that come there. So there's another book in here, but before we go into that, I'm gonna, I said I was going to pull a pin on it. One of the criticisms that comes across this is with the distilled rules, one of the things they looked out was character creation. Uh, you do not have characters to create. And so what they have done, they provide you with 14 pre-generated player characters. And that's quite a lot. Um, 
there's several good archetypes in here. Uh, you've got definitely a couple warrior types as well as a blank character sheet for whatever reason. But the way these sheets are set up is really something. We'll just start with Vasanas and then we can't see anything. But uh, the, the front or back, if you will, is uh, an illustration of Asana with uh, her bison in the background there. And you turn it over and it's kind of a, a bifold. It opens up and you kind of almost have a little screen with uh, shows her runes. And Vasana uh, Ferran's daughter talks about her uh, background. Uh, she speaks to you directly and then gives you the in-depth background below that and then how to play Vasana. Uh, you're a natural born leader with a 19 charisma, take charge, you have strong passions, hate the Lunar Empire, devotion, or lands, honor, and your loyalties. Use them when appropriate to augment your skills. Your high death rune makes you a warrior and you ignore pain and pleasure. Your high air rune makes you passionate, proud, and violent. Your lance attack riding your bison can do huge amounts of damage, but you are better on the defensive when you use your sword. You have a good array of rune spells for combat, but you need to choose very carefully as you don't have many rune points to spare. And they even do a little thing here. I used to moralize on a foe before you fight them. So it gives the runes and her affinities. Then uh, you open it up and uh, on the left side there, it has the characteristics. It's a strength of 16, a con of 12, a size of 10, dexterity of 11, intelligence of 15, a power of 15, and a charisma of 19. Uh, then it gives her attacks with her weapons. She has a 90% with her broadsword. And she does one die four plus one plus one die four damage when she hits in combat. And it's got her hit locations, uh, because her request is hit specific, with the various armor points and her hit points for that location. And, uh, and then in the center, it has all her skills and passions lined out with uh, space in the bottom for Milan her bison, which is a terrifying creature. And then on the opposite fold, it has her common rune magic spells and it has her specific rune magic, which has fearless lightning and shield. And she has some spirit magic. She has demoralize, uh, heal two and mobility spell. And of course she has her magic points. And that pretty much tells you everything you need to know to play Vasana. And uh, even just uh, carry it out. It also has her possessions. It starts with armor, disc, plate, curious. Uh, bronze, greaves, and vambrises. A stud leather skirt, closed helm. Uh, gives modifies, uh, moves quietly by 15% of worn. She has uh, a magic item, a 10-point magic point storage crystal, a bronze image of Orlanth that adds 10% to worship. And in addition, holds 10 uh, magic points that she can use. And she carries 10 silver, luna, and coin. So, and then there's 14 characters uh, ranging from uh, Yanyoth, a priestess, a uh, hunter, a shaman. I mean, basically, if you can't find something in here to play uh, to, to get started, you're kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say you're SOL because, you know, obviously there's going to be people who want to play something else that's not normally presented, but um, you can usually find something that will appeal to your nature, and I think that's a good way to leave that off. Supposedly, Chiasium is supposed to come out with 14 more, including a Telmori wolf sister, which is their werewolves, and some kind of duck soldier, but I haven't seen it yet. It was supposed to be, it was announced in earlier this year. 
said it was going to be later this year, and here it is, running out of time on the year, and they still haven't seen it yet, but hey, with everything going on, I'm not going to complain about that too much, but they probably download those when they do uh, get them out for free. That's awesome. There's also, uh, you can go on the Casium website there and get a couple other things. You can get a couple printouts of these sheets too, so you can send them to your players. If, uh, my guys, we play on Discord mostly with RuneQuest. But, uh, yeah, I want to pull a pin on that. The character sheets are, are really nice. Um, they're nice paper, full color. Didn't skimp on anything on this one. So let's finish it off with the fourth book, which is Adventures. And here's where it really shines. Um, with everything they've given you, give you so far, you could just kind of call it one and done. You got a rule book, you've got a setting, but they went all out and they put a big thick, the thickest book is the adventure book. It's, uh, has three adventures and each one, uh, kind of features a different aspect of play, kind of teaches you or teaches the players to play. And if they played through the solo adventure, uh, this will definitely uh, let them, uh, put their characters right here in the middle of the action, uh, approaching. Johnston as you come in. And the first adventure, Rough Landing, is a one session. Uh, it took us just one session. It's basically right after the Battle of Danger Forge and the Gernering and Johnston and newly arrived and all that. You uh, find a group of trolls, very dark trolls, uh, very aggressive. And they're just uh, breaking the place up. And so you can just kill them which kind of would be bad, but uh, yeah, it's your choice. Um, or you can try to reason with them, which isn't going to work either. But, you know, fighting with them in fisticuffs, which trolls are really strong, is kind of uh, may seem daunting to some players, but it's probably the best act course of action for the players. But either one is handled. If the players do end up killing the trolls, um, they're taken in by the law and asked, uh, basically forced into the next adventure by... Uh, breaking the peace and all that. But uh, they are hauled before the city wrecks to account for their actions anyway. When it all ends, uh, you're engaged basically to go resolve a problem in a nearby farming community. And so that starts you off right there. Uh, you go to the farming community and I'm just going to say it's, uh, it's a slow boil uh, monster bash, but uh, played right. It will definitely set the players in suspense. I don't want to give too much away. But uh, it is full of... Uh, it will definitely teach the players how to use the skills of scan and listen, as well as tracking and looking around. But uh, things that this first one does is social commitment and connections are critical to survival. Um, you just cannot murder Hobo your way in request. You, know, you will not live long. You will be ostracized and you will kind of learn why banishment is a big thing in the Bronze Age setting. And uh, passions is honor and loyalty are important to the characters, and several of the uh, pre-generated characters already have good uh, honor and loyalty skills, so this will guide their behavior. Now, of course, uh, in RuneQuest, with a lot of people who haven't played before, they may balk at, oh, I don't want uh, passions running my character world. The, the nice thing is, is passions don't define your character like an alignment. They guide your character. If you refuse, don't want to do what the passion would tell you of your honor and loyalty, then you suffer a penalty. It's negative 20% on a percentile system. 
So it is a bit of a dip, but it's not impossible to overcome. And shows that your character, uh, quite generates that your character is conflicted with their passions and their honor. Now, and of course, honor isn't open to anybody, but that's a conversation for another time. Uh, so we're going to talk about the next adventure in line in there, which gives us Fire in the Darkness. Now, this is a little less of... Uh, this one really uh, uh, raises a bar for players, especially new players, to role-playing games. Um, there's a bunch of mysterious fires in Johnston, and they want you to find out what is behind it. And the clues you gather and how you gather them are going to be important, but nonetheless, it, re- it points to a remnant of a lunar cult. And there are many ways this can come out. You can see the lunars who were kicked out of the city. Uh, normally, players would be pretty hot-headed to uh, kill them. But also talking with them can propel the story forward in a different direction. And each one is free to act. Uh, the players are free to act on. There's no uh, guide rails here. It's just what you do and there's consequences for that. Now killing them is something that's uh, understandable at a certain point. But additionally, uh, working with them provides longer term campaign play that may not come out in a single session, but may come out over a long period of play in this area in Johnston and healing the rift between some of the remaining Lunars, especially those who are Sartreites and not just Lunar invaders who have uh, converted to the uh, lunar cult. And so it also expands a lot on how social interactions, gathering clues, and talking to people are going to work. So for a lot of people who may be new to role-playing games, it's good to see a scenario like this as the second one up where there's a lot of role-playing as well as mystery solving, which is always fun, uh, rather than monster bashing. And speaking of monster bashing, the third one, the Rainbow Mounds. Now this is another thing, if you were not interested in buying this because it's a starter set i don't need a distilled set of rules when i already have the full value of the rules right in front of me this is one where if you have some history with rune quests this is where it's going to pay off um, i would definitely recommend this one the rainbow mountains is the uh, third scenario and this was originally published in 1978 you know, around apple lane and uh, the Rainbow Mountains, is, this one is not a reprint of the old classic. It's a wholly new scenario. And so you find yourself drawn into the nearby village of Apple Lane. It's again threatened by Trollkin. And this time they have brought friends, Newtlings. And the Newtlings are the Dragonkin, uh, basically the proto-stage, the early hatchlings. And so Apple Lane with no Thane, and they kind of Needs the assistance from adventurers in Johnston. And so, they, uh, basically, the scene sets you up. We're right there and right, right in front of the Rainbow Mounds. You can play out the travel if you want. You can do uh, different things. It's all up to the Game Master to expand as little or as much as they want. And so, this is a lot more challenging. Um, it is basically, yes, a dungeon crawl. Uh, but it is a RuneQuest dungeon crawl. And it's often said that uh, Greg Stafford's uh, the vision of <clears throat> the Rainbow Mounds, his original scenario, excuse me, was uh, comparable to Keep on the Borderlands because Apple Lane was right nearby and almost everybody would have a little place to hang out and rest up between adventures. Because the Rainbow Mounds will take several uh, sessions to go through. It's not vast, but you just, if the players, the way combat works in. RuneQuest, they just can't take every challenge head-on all the time. But 
there's enough there that uh, players can gain aid and uh, have a safe place to hole up and uh, lick their wounds if something goes wrong. So while this isn't a re- reprint, it uh, it retains the premise and dials it up a bit. It's something uh, far more detailed than before, but that's not saying a whole lot because even way back when in the 70s, they were very detailed scenarios, giving you quite an overview of what's going on and with lots of tables and charts and uh, things to look up to make it feel like it was a living place, including how the troll can, and pardon me, several of the other denizens uh, put uh, dealt with one another. Now, I uh, also want to say that uh, this is the Rainbow Mound, so if you can look up uh, the Rainbow Hills in Utah uh, before going this and give this uh, out, it will help you because the Rainbow Mounds is a very unique place and the different colored limestone throughout the complex is very much a kind of second character in here. So, so uh, yeah, so this is a really good scenario. It puts in from this, you can pick up uh, right from the Game Master uh, accessory pack and uh, start playing more scenarios out of that. So there's a lot of play value out of the starter set with just four or three adventures. Um, presented there's several uh ones that link up and very nice to this in the game master pack uh, the players can be asked to stay on or maybe even be the new things and so we're going to get to the other parts of the box here um they got maps we got a big map of the area nice fold out here good quality paper on this one and then they have a nice uh standard map of the rainbow mounds itself with its various colors and all that and then uh, a little advert in there for more we have more and so we'll uh, advert for other role playing things in here and then we mentioned the strike rate tracker now this is uh it's uh, made as you hear me flopping around it's made of some pretty decent uh paper i would have preferred something a little thicker but hey it is what it is and um this uh breaks down the strike ranks Allows people to track it as you're going through, so you can kind of put this out maybe in front of your uh, screen and uh, move a dice along with it. And it shows uh, each one of the strike rank modifiers for like augmenting a rune or passion is zero strike ranks, where preparing a new spell or a different weapon adds plus five to your strike rank. So if you had a strike rank of six uh, with your sword, which is your speed of your weapon, uh, and you wanted to draw a different weapon. Um, yeah, that adds five to that, so pretty easy there. Surprised by foes within three meters or three yards is a plus three to the strike ring. Getting up from a prone position is plus five, and uh, so on and so on and so forth. Also talks about the missile weapon and rate of fire, and with rune quest, uh, with this kind of play eight out, can really help players get into the mood and the takes the complexity out of the combat and puts it right into the simplicity of percentile brawls, um, opposed, and difficulties uh, achieved with the successes together with the action narrative, making it very fast-paced and very fun. It's one of the fun things about RuneQuest is that you get a blow-by-blow kind of play out in just a few seconds of combat time, but uh, you want to not make that stretch out for hours on the tabletop. This is a good aid, and it really helps players see everything in front along with the way that the rules are broken down in the uh, first rule book here. Yes, 61 pages. There with this, I mean, you're pretty much, after uh, 
playing this set, everybody should be a uh, RuneQuest Pro and able to stand with the best of the veterans along the sides of the table. So, uh, as a game master, you might give this one a pass. Just maybe like, oh, I'll just you know give it out to my players or whatever. Uh, no, you get uh, Johnston fully detailed, not. Uh, uh, Heck, I don't want to use any bad words here, but it's not kidified. It's not uh, boiled down with no, all the uh, major numbers filed off. It's given uh, it's given a full treatment, just like uh, Clearwine is in the main rulebook. So this provides an alternate uh, starting point and also details a new part of the world for further development in play. So Johnston is nominally the head of the Johnston uh, Compendium, on the RuneQuest uh, uh, site, or the Gazim site for their, all the official RuneQuest material, as well as fan and third-party material for sale and uh, downloads as well. So it's fitting that Johnston gets its full rendition in game lore. So it's well worth picking up. And the adventures themselves, hey, if you're just an old RuneQuest fan, um, the Rainbow Mounds, the new version, it's pretty good. I think uh, old fans will definitely nod and smile when they read through that, especially if you're trying to run this as a game master and you played it a long time ago. So, oh, right. Well, that, that pretty much does it. I think the only takeaways is, yeah, some of the paper is kind of flimsy, but it holds up, and it's pretty much all color, very high-quality artwork, and astounding pictures all the way through. It's a real treat, and I think Cassie, I'm really took off the brakes on this one and went full bore. So, well, I promised you one half hour and here we are. So I'm going to bid you adieu. Happy New Year. Happy holidays to everybody. And we'll see you soon. So take it easy.